nolite timere pusilus grex, quia complacuit patri vestro dare vobis crenum. Fear not, little flock, for it hath pleased your Father to give you the kingdom. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. God is not silent in the hour of our distress. Rather, he speaks to us words that carry within them the power to change our hearts, to lift them up even to himself, words that carry within them the gift of his own divine peace. God speaks to us most specially in the liturgical texts of each day. What a privilege and a joy it is for us in the monastic life to hear the word of God day after day and hour after hour. A monastery is the listening post of the church. Monks are, if you'll pardon the expression, all ears. The holy rule begins with the words, listen my son, incline the ear of your heart. And the vocation of monks is to listen day after day to what God is saying to the churches. And in imitation of the Blessed Virgin Mary, to store up the words received from God and to hold them in our hearts as Grain is stored up in a barn in time of famine. I was particularly struck by the antiphon at Terse before Holy Mass this morning. Yes, it pleases God to speak to us even in the smallest fragment of the divine office. And so we sang at Terse, Fear not, little flock, no lite timere pusilus grex. And I looked out of the corner of my eye, and I saw the little flock gathered here. For it hath pleased the Father to give you the kingdom. I often invite my sons 
to ask the question, in this antiphon, who is speaking? And to whom is the word addressed? In this antiphon of Terse, it's St. Patrick speaking to us. St. Patrick is speaking to us today, as he did when he walked this island of ours. And what does St. Patrick say? Nolite timere pusilus grex. Fear not, little flock. We have the practice in our monastic divine office of commemorating on a great feast day the mass that would have been celebrated had the feast not occurred today. And so the mass of the Tuesday of the third week in Lent. And we sang an antiphon at Lord's and we shall sing an antiphon at Vespers to remind us that we are still, after all, even on the Feast of St. Patrick, on the Tuesday in the third week of Lent. Did you have a look at that gospel? Again, I say to you that if two of you shall consent upon earth concerning anything whatsoever they shall ask, it shall be done to them by my Father who is in heaven. For where there are two or three gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. It may not be possible in the weeks ahead to come to church for the holy sacrifice of the Mass and for the divine office. But it will be possible to gather even two or three in the name of Jesus and to experience his presence in our midst. I've been giving much thought to the practice of the Holy Catholic faith in Ireland during the penal times. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass was not readily available People prayed all the same, did they not? People prayed in their cottages, they prayed in their homes, they prayed in their fields. More than anything else, they prayed the Holy Rosary. And by means of the Holy Rosary was the Holy Catholic faith kept alive in Ireland and in the hearts of the Irish people in very dark times. Today's Mass, this beautiful proper Mass of St. Patrick, inexhaustible really, presents us with what we would call the Vera Effigies of St. Patrick. That means the true likeness, the authentic portrait of St. Patrick. We don't have any photographs of St. Patrick. All we have depictions of him, but they're 
They're made up, really. You know? There are certain elements in the iconography of St. Patrick, the shamrock, the crozier, by which we recognize him. But the Vera Effigies, the real portrait of St. Patrick, is given us in the mass of his feast. If you want not only to see the likeness of St. Patrick, but to understand the mind of St. Patrick and the heart of St. Patrick, listen well the chants and to the prayers of the Mass of this feast. The intro it was taken from the book of Genesis, addressed to Abraham, our father in the faith. But the church, with the freedom given her by the Holy Ghost in the sacred liturgy, takes the words addressed by God to Abraham and addresses them to St. Patrick. Go forth out of thy country and from thy kindred and out of thy father's house and come into the land that I shall show thee and I will make of thee a great nation. I suppose that these words have for, I look around, most of us here, except for Don Finian and Don Placid, a very special meaning. For all of you sons who are here heard this word addressed to you, go forth out of thy country and from thy kindred and out of thy father's house and come into the land that I shall show thee and I will make of thee a great nation. I suppose it is this that gives our monastery such a special, such a privileged relationship with St. Patrick. We pray to him for all our immigration issues. And as you can see, St. Patrick has not disappointed us. But at a much deeper level, St. Patrick, like St. Joseph the day after tomorrow, and like St. Benedict on Saturday, shows us that faith in one way or another, sooner or later, but inexorably, calls us out of what is familiar, out of what is cherished, out of what is comfortable, out of what is known. Go forth out of thy country and from thy kindred and out of thy father's house and come into the land that I shall show thee. And the verse of the introit, in the verse it's not Saint, 
it's not God speaking to St. Patrick, it's St. Patrick speaking to us. This often happens, that the antiphon of the introit is in the mouth of one speaker, whereas the verse is in the mouth of another. So the antiphon is in the mouth of God, but the verse is in the mouth of St. Patrick addressing us. And what does he say? Give glory to the Lord. Confitemini domino. Confess ye unto the Lord. That means praise and thank him. And call upon his name. Declare his deeds among the heathen. Among the heathen. St. Patrick is telling us what our mission is. To praise God and call upon his name and to declare his deeds among the heathen. The gradual of the Mass takes the patriarch Joseph, who was sold as a slave, in Egypt, and takes Psalm 104, which speaks of Joseph and applies it to St. Patrick. So when we sing or hear the gradual of this Mass, we have to replace the name of Joseph in the psalm with the name of Patrick, because this is the way the Church wants us to hear it. He sent a man before them, Patrick, who was sold as a slave, until his word came, the word of the Lord inflamed him. Patrick was a man inflamed. Not only did he kindle a fire on the hill of slain, that outward fire was but the representation of the fire that burned within Patrick. And then, in the beautiful tract taken from the 42nd chapter of Isaiah, it is the Lord speaking to St. Patrick. I, the Lord, have called thee in justice, Patrick, and have taken thee by the hand and preserved thee. And I have given thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles. The Gentiles means the heathen, the pagans, the Irish that thou mightest open the eyes of the blind, as he did, and bring forth the prisoners out of prison, as he did, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I, the Lord, this is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven things. The offertory takes us back to the book of Genesis. This, this Mass is a kind of scintillating mosaic of passages from the Bible. And so in the offertory, we go back to Genesis 15. And he brought him forth abroad and said to him, said to Patrick, Look up to heaven and number the stars if thou canst. And he said to him, so shall thy seed be. Referring here to all of the baptized Irish, who by the preaching of St. Patrick 
would be sons of God. Now, the secret of today's Mass, that is to say, the oration that is said over the chalice, prepared for the Holy Sacrifice, and the Sacred Host on the Corporal. The secret of this Mass is, is extremely significant. It goes to the very heart of St. Patrick's mission. Why did St. Patrick come to Ireland? To do what? To bring the Mass to Ireland. To bring the Mass to Ireland. And that's what the secret tells us today. May this clean oblation, hecoblatio munda, all of the sacrifices of the Druids were unclean oblations offered to demons. And St. Patrick comes with the clean oblation, the adorable body and precious blood of Jesus Christ, the imitated, immolated lamb, who would, in the course of time, manifest himself at Knox. Knock is about the Mass. Knock reveals St. Patrick's mission in a spectacular way, really. And so the secret goes on. May this clean oblation be acceptable to you, Lord of hosts, which it has pleased you should be made unto your great name among the nations, meaning among the heathen, among the Irish, through the labors of blessed Patrick, from the rising of the sun even to the going down thereof. In this little prayer, we are given a synthesis of the mission of St. Patrick. Patrick came to Ireland to bring the Mass here. The communion antiphon is a bit of a surprise because it's taken from the book of Judith. You wouldn't expect a passage from the book of Judith to be applied to St. Patrick. But again, as I explained, the liturgy uses the word of God with the freedom that comes to the church from the Holy Ghost. And so, that word addressed to Judith is addressed to St. Patrick in the communion antiphon. The hand of the Lord hath strengthened thee, and therefore thou shalt be blessed forever. So, I could say much more about this Mass for the Feast of St. Patrick, but it is the vera effigies, the true portrait of who St. Patrick is, of what he believed, of how he prayed, of what he did. And if you would know St. Patrick, the inside of St. Patrick, his mind and his heart, return to the Mass of this feast. Ponder it. Hold it in your heart. And you will see, in some way, before the eyes of your soul, the portrait of St. Patrick as the Holy Ghost gives it to us in the liturgy of the Church. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.